On the podcast today, we are going to dissect chapter 29 of the Tao Te Ching, which makes up the 29th episode of the 81 Meditations on the Tao Te Ching. And as usual, Guy Young will read Jafu Feng and Jane English's translation, and I will read Derek Lin's translation. Do you think you can conquer the universe and improve it? I do not think this can be done. The universe is sacred. You cannot improve it. If you try to change it, you will ruin it. If you try to hold on to it, you will lose it. So sometimes things are ahead and sometimes they are behind. Sometimes breathing is hard. Sometimes it comes easily. Sometimes there is strength and sometimes weakness. Sometimes one is up and sometimes down. Therefore, the wise avoid extremes, excesses and complacency. Those who wish to take the world and control it, I see that they cannot succeed. The world is a sacred instrument. One cannot control it. The one who controls it will fail. The one who grasps it will lose. Because all things either lead or follow, either blow hot or cold, either have strength or weakness, either have ownership or take by force. Therefore, the sage eliminates extremes, eliminates excess, eliminates arrogance. So this chapter tackles the pitfalls of control itself and this tendency that we have as individuals and also as collective societies to try and dominate the world and trying to force our agenda and opinion on other people as if we are the ones who have access to the divine knowledge itself. Mm. But the point of this chapter is that the Tao is imbued within nature naturally and this is what the sacred instrument is. It does not need to be improved upon by human beings. It's perfect as it is. Yes. And here, yeah, a lot um, attacking, almost attacking like our human behavior of trying to conquer and improve things. Conquer and improve things that are like not, cannot be done really. The nature itself as it is, is already perfect. There's nothing to be improved and nothing to conquer, really. And again, that comes from, like, in that last line that about the arrogance that we all have. And especially in the Western culture, I think it also, um, going back to the Christian Bible, I think, to some um, passages saying that how nature serves humanity and us as human beings have like this divine right to um, yeah, divide and conquer and conquer and improve nature to fit our needs, right? Yeah. So again, that uh, is the origin of our problems. And unfortunately, in the Asian countries also somewhat try to imitate that way of thinking nowadays. I mean, they still have that very uh, holistic, uh, communal way of uh, seeing the world and doing things uh, together and whatnot. But the way, especially new generation, think, I think, um, it's a lot more to do with uh, the Western way of seeing the world. That's what coloniality is. Coloniality is colonial consciousness. And only a few places staved off this attack of colonial consciousness upon them. India is one place, right? Even though Western Christian thinking has come into India, it's still primarily Hindu and they think as Hindus. But if we look at the oceanic region, if we look at the Pacific Islands, 
a lot of Pacific Islanders cannot think of their culture without Christianity, even though that they had a rich tradition and culture before the Western culture came. And so, you know, Christianity is a good example of this. And as you said in the Bible, they written into the Bible is this conversion mentality where we should go around the world and convert others because of this doctrinal privilege we've written into our sacred book that justifies our cause, justifies our violence on other cultures, whether physical or psychological violence Mm. or psychological imperialism, Mm -hmm. which is what it basically is, right? It's an undermining of other cultures. And I had an interesting dialogue with an individual recently who cannot see Taoism from its own perspective. They can only see Taoism from a Christian perspective. And so they try to relate chapters or verses in the Tao Te Ching with passages in the Bible. Yes. And I'm saying to this individual that that's not exactly what it is. That's completely different. You, you're looking at words such as heaven in the, in the English translation mm. of the Tao Te Ching and you're relating it to heaven as in the Christian heaven, which they're not talking about that. The whole concept of heaven and earth and Tao Te Ching is completely different than heaven in Christianity. And so you see this warping of Eastern knowledge because of this infiltration of Western thinking, coloniality, which a lot of Westerners don't understand this, but a lot of the ways that they think is still influenced by Christianity. It's not influenced by just Western cultures in and of themselves, the pagan traditions before Christianity came in. And let's be frank, a lot of people thought that when Christianity came into Rome, for example, they thought that everyone accepted it, lock stock. And it was like, no, that's not the case. There was a lot of violence, a lot of bloodshed, and it took a long time to indoctrinate the people with that tradition. And so, as you mentioned, within the Bible, there is this distinction between human beings and nature itself, where nature serves us as if a servant or a slave and we are propped up on a pedestal. Whereas Taoism is an intrinsically holistic culture. A human being is no more important than an ant. But when we take into account everything, and if we function as in accord with how the Tao is moving through us, then there's a balance in the world naturally, and that's what the sacred instrument is. Yeah, 100%. The more we try to follow western way of seeing the world more we lose that perspective right that nature itself has its own organic pattern we know it right there is seasons weather patterns and um, trees that grow and they die or it goes through those um, period of time there where there is no leaves during the winter but when when spring comes around there's new leaves come through there's all these um, organic pattern which just functions in its in itself without any like us trying to do something with it, right? Yep. And I think that applies the same way to a society as well, and yep. even our individual life as well. It has its own organic pattern, yep. but we're always trying to do something with it, right? Yep. And that's when everything goes wrong. That's when every all the problem begin to yep. happen, right? So that's what we need to um, remember. And again, with the uh, Christian way of thinking, is 
I mean, a lot of people nowadays, they claim themselves as a, like an atheist. They don't believe in God. They don't believe in um, religion and whatnot. Yeah, that's all well and good. But what we need to also understand is that whether they, uh, whatever they want to claim themselves, call themselves, that way of thinking is very deeply Im- uh, embedded in our even the subconscious level, I yeah. think, that coloniality is applies in the culture as well. Why do we all embrace Western culture mm-hmm. over, let's say, um, um, Indian or Nepali or the, you know the Asian culture, which maybe a lot of people have no idea why because of that exactly because of that influence of coloniality and that again that idea comes from christian way of thinking the hierarchical way of society and hierarchical way of we uh, um, uh, seeing the world as well we think of like a up and down way not the a horizontal, horizontal way, way, right? Yeah, yeah, that's right. So that way of perception also has come from a Christian way of thinking. And um, for some reason, we accept it. We don't question it. No. Mm. And that's actually what's destroying the world. Ecological problems, divisions amongst cultures and this and that. Cultures that get annoyed by other cultures imposing their own traditions upon them, as you mentioned with India, where you have Christians going into... India undermining Hindus, saying that they're going to hell for being non-believers of the, of Christ. So their version of God is that God put billions of Hindus in this part of the world, which were quite culturally isolated from Christianity, just so that they can burn in hell for eternity. That doesn't sound like a God that most people would want to be a part of. And obviously it's an illogical story that people should not consider that's an illogical belief to believe that and that's a violent belief to actually believe so you want a certain section of the world to burn an eternity to hell because of their beliefs because you are the number one culture because of european culture being number one and other people not and so as you said with coloniality also even if they are people are atheist they still are indoctrinated a little bit with western culture and so for example this distinction between humans and nature gives birth to this idea of inevitable progress. Mm. And so you have this idea of inevitable progress where, but the progress is dependent on Western culture. As, as you were saying, why is it that Western culture goes around the world indoctrinating everyone? It's their version of inevitable progress. And so this idea, because it's a subtle idea too, is that you think that you can improve upon the world. Not that the world is perfect as it is. You think that you can improve upon the world. And Zhuangzi made a lot of fun fun about this because even within Confucian times, because when Confucius himself had a little bit of that sort of dominant mindset Mm -hmm. where he was trying to force a certain socio-political economic system upon the people. And so he had this idea of improving upon the world. He actually thought that in improving upon the world, that's what actually evokes the doubt. Mm. And that's utterly ridiculous when we look at the philosophy of Zitran in Taoism. And Zitran means self-so of its own nature or organically of itself. And so you have Zitran, this naturalness that we all have, that the Tao has endowed all of us with. But we neglect that 
as human beings, we forget about it. We, for, you know, in the Tao Te Ching, they're constantly talking about forgetting about the Tao, and we fall into this alignment with inevitable progress where we think that we can improve upon the world. Yes. And what we are doing is destroying the world because of that belief. Yes. Look at how we treat nature. Look at how we treat ourselves. It's utterly ridiculous. Yes. Uh, it's just um, that the Christian idea of seeing the world, that, that monotheistic religion always brings to violence because their belief and their religion uh, is considered to be the most sacred. And it's more sacred than uh, any other religion, yeah. which is utterly ridiculous. Ridiculous, yeah. That is why it's pretty inevitable that cause the violence yep. around the world. And I see it's pretty... It, that actually has... Maybe it doesn't look like it that way, but I see there is a strong connection between that way of thinking to um, that progressiveness that's gone around the world yep, yep. recently, and I mean righteousness as well, yep. because that self-righteous people who like um, have a, their own movement over vegetarianism or veganism or just a, like a woke ideology that's going on around the world. And again, like we know, like just like a BLM movement, for instance, and some uh, uh, veganism movement as well, often turn into uh, violence, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. It, that has exactly the same in, same in principle with Christianity in yeah. some sense yeah. because their belief is better than everyone else and that kind of, that sort of belief and attitude only is going to uh, bring more violence, right? Exactly, yeah. So that it, it, it is exactly the same in principle, I said. Well, it, it nails what you said with what they talk about in this chapter where the sage eliminates extremes. So if you look at... Veganism is a good example, right? Like a lot of the vegan movement within the West came from a fascination with vegetarianism and Hinduism. And so as Westerners, typically because of that righteous way of thinking, as you said, we'll take it to an extreme. Oh, but they still eat curd and egg and some Hindus still eat chicken. Mm -hmm. All right, well, we're going to take it to an extreme. We're not even going to have curd or egg that's it. We're done. No honey. No honey as well. <laughs> Look, some people may benefit from a vegan diet, but it's not for everyone. Still, 94% of the world still eat meat. And most Hindus are vegetarian and they still eat curd and eggs. And as I said, a lot of them still eat uh, chicken. But you can easily pull apart these extremist movements and these fanatical movements because this is the point, right? Lao Tzu is saying we address social problems and then we take it to an extreme. So, mm -hmm. okay, we have a problem with the, the meat industry. It, it, it's in a pretty bad shape. The, you know, industrial far, the farming of meat and that is, is terrible, like the way it is. So we'll take it to an extreme. We'll all become vegan, which then we have to destroy forests around the world. Thousands of years old forests just have soybeans and this and that. And you're killing all sorts of life to create these farms. So then it, the argument becomes, well, what life is more important than the other, you see? And so it's lots of saying it's just about following nature itself. Mm. And so what is natural for humans to follow? Not about destroying the Amazon to grow soybeans for our impossible burgers. And so, and again, 
in pulling apart that sort of argument where veganism and Christianity are very the same is, as I said, where the Hindus were culturally isolated from Christianity, so they're going to burn in hell for all time. What about the Inuits in North America who mainly eat meat, who are culturally isolated from the rest of the world, who live in the snow and can't you know, grow. grow all these vegetables and this and that? Or what about the Maasai in Tanzania who live mainly on meat because they are in a part of the world where vegetation is not as thriving as certain other parts in the world, like such, like say in, in Europe, in colder areas. And so they have to depend on eating goats and, and so forth and so on. So these two cultures are inherently evil, according to a vegan, because they don't have access to a whole foods with all of the trendy superfoods that are current at the time. So do you see how ridiculous it is? We need to keep our heads about ourselves when we get into righteousness and this and that. And we do this with everything. Like we will try to tackle racism with an an extremism, for example, that goes in the opposite direction and is in the same way is racist. And so there is no middle ground because we lose our way because of this Western Christian way of thinking of extremes and righteousness where... As you said, because you are an Asian person, you grew you grew up in Asia, born and bred. You guys are brought up in a very a much more holistic environment, even though you've got this imposing figure of coloniality mm. being impressed upon your culture. You know this well and good from coming from Korea, where Korea is naturally neo Confucian and Buddhist, but then. Christianity has come in and pushed itself onto people. And then you get, as they say in Korean, Saibi versions of Christianity. Yeah, yeah, it's just a bit weird how it had become in Korea, the the strong kind of fundamental Christian people. And they're mixing with the Korean oppression and Mm. depression and all this uh, social uh, uh, pressure that lies on people that mixing with the Christian belief and turning into some sort of a savior religion where people go in the huge, like, I don't know, like 20,000 people sitting in auditorium and everyone is like going a bit mad. It's a bit... (laughs) They're losing losing themselves. Pretty much, yes. Yeah. Mm. It's a bit disturbing, isn't it? (laughs) Yes. But, you know, to stick to the point is that that's what can happen when a different culture comes in Mm. and is not born and bred on that land Mm. but has the doctrinal privilege of saying well if you don't join us then you're going to burn in hell for eternity Mm. because we're cutting the world up into believers and non-believers and Rajiv Malotra nails this in his wonderful book Being Different that I highly recommend people to read where he had many experiences uh, in America when he was in, uh, teaching in university in America and he would see other professors and this and that uh, involved in interfaith dialogue. So the concept you know, of all religions getting together and the harmony of religions, which is a beautiful thing. But the problem from the Abrahamic side of the room, the Abrahamic religions, is... They would, and, and Rajiv 
did a lot to try and address this. And there obviously there's a lot of frustration from his side because they would use the word, we tolerate other religions. Mm. So, you know, you tolerate someone, you know what I mean? It's and, Put it, and putting up with it. You're putting up with it. Mm. So, yeah, we tolerate that there are Buddhists and Taoists and Hindus and Zoroastrians and, and whoever. And Rajiv said, we need to change this language. This language is like sort of undermining. Like even if myself as a Hindu, he said, if I'm using this, I'm if I'm just tolerating a Christian, that's not very nice. Yes. So we need to change this to, I have mutual respect. Mm. But the the Abrahamic faiths would not agree to it. They would not because of the doctrinal knowledge that no no, no Christ is the only way. <laughs> and you know obviously for Islam and, and Judaism is different as well. Like so they would not accept. They would not have mutual respect for the other religions. And so. From the other side of the room, particularly because a lot of the Indian religions are pluralistic, and when you have pluralism, that means you accept love and accept everyone. And you know, it's great. Okay, it's great. The Abrahamic faith, it's wonderful that you follow that path. But mm-hmm. please have mutual respect for us as well yes. and don't push your beliefs onto us as well. Mm-hmm. But that's where the sticking point came, see? That's where that righteous mentality really st- it stoked that fire and they would not no, 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 no. We don't want to have mutual respect for, for Hindus or for for Taoists. Again, that kind of attitude, we all know it breeds more violence, more uh, separation in the world. Mm. And that's the problem. Right? Yeah. And yeah, again, the people have to realize even the way people are used to think, the, the way they are used to think, uh, is also come from that kind of place. So it has to be, yes, mutual, mutual respect. What I believe is good, what you believe also good. Like, again, has its own, it has its um, sacred values in each different religions, and we need to respect that. That's where we can all come together in harmony. Yeah. And Lao is warning us against that mentality in this chapter. He's saying those who will, who meddle, in the affairs of others will ultimately fail. Mm. And this is not just some sort of off the hand comment because when we look into history, all have failed. Those tyrants, those religions and so forth and so on who have tried to meddle in the affairs of others have failed in different ways. They have failed in trying to impose their view. And now you may say, well, well, some religions that still exist with their violent imperialistic ways but we're in the midst of it Mm. if we have a look say a thousand years time from now will they still exist there have been declining numbers in certain religions because of this mentality because a lot of people are awake these days and saying hold on i don't really resonate that with that even people who are from those parts of the world that 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 those religions are strong and so the point here is that when you begin to meddle in life you're going against life. That's the point. You're trying to control and grasp how it should be. Mm. And wei can be translated as a path of non-interference. Yes. And so you're allowing life to be as it will. You love and appreciate all people mm. and allow them to live how they will. Mm. 100%. It's, again, it's that attitude comes down to your attitude, isn't it? Yep. Like, again, here, this passage, if you try to change it, you will ruin it. 
yes. Yeah. <laughs> if you try to hold on to it, you will lose it, yeah. yes. And that is the truth, and we know it in our own life experience too, right? And yeah. our own individual level as well. Yeah. We try to something to happen, make it to happen, really try hard, put a lot of effort in, force it. And, you know, often you may achieve it, but you may be very stressed out in the end. Mm. Or it may have bring more problem than what you expected. So in the end, you basically, yes, ruin it. So it's, again, it comes down to our attitudes, whether we want to make it harder or easier, really, isn't it? If you don't want to interfere with things and just let it be and let it work out itself, then it'll be easier on you, mm. right? Mm. It'll be what will be while you just remain non-interfering, right? Yeah. But if you want to keep forcing it, keep put a lot of putting a lot of effort in, you make it harder for yourself, and it may not uh, turn out the way things that you want it to be. Yeah, mm. you can't improve on the world mm. and that's the mentality that we have to actually imbibe because that's a naturalistic mentality when we keep thinking we can improve upon the world we are sort of saying in a subtle way that the world is not perfect as it is the universe made some sort of mistake and then human beings came along to address those errors mm. and and improve upon it no that's not true at all when you have your naturalistic uwe mindset you understand that you cannot improve on the world. That's just the way it is. You won't improve on the world. It's in improving on the world, as Aldous Huxley mentions in the perennial philosophy, we actually destroy the world. Yes. And we're seeing that. It's the irony, isn't it? We're meddling with nature. We're destroying the world. And some say, but it's good for this and good for that. And it's like, yeah, that's all well and good. But how good is that going to be when... We are down on our knees Mm -hmm. as a species Mm -hmm. because then all of our ideas about economy and politics and all of this nonsense begins to dissipate because what becomes important is just surviving itself. And so Lao Tzu has always warned us not to meddle too much with nature and with other people because once you are out of balance with nature itself, then you will inevitably fail. Yes. And again, like we need to understand the more we go into that path of resisting it, trying to keep improving things, more we lose something that's very important, yeah. right? Which is innocence that we all once upon a time had. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now it seems like just to, uh, it's been covered with a lot of layers after layers with the conditioning and uh, so, so, social um, values, which uh, is more material based and whatnot. Yep. So we lose much more important values such as innocence and loving, practicing loving kindness to each other, which brings uh, humanity together, yep. right? Yep. And what we often forget is that uh, in the first first part, yeah, do you think you can conquer the universe and improve it? I do not believe this it can be done. Universe is sacred. Mm. And the universe here in Chinese, in actual Lao Tzu's uh, writing, universe or the world in that the translation, actually literal translation here meaning that the 
entire world, mm. entire universe under heaven. Mm. That's what it actually means. That word, word he wrote it as in uh, universe. Mm. So it's under the roof, the heaven, yeah. the heaven again, space. the space. Yes, mm. in uh, in natural element, uh, heaven, not the heavens. The heaven. Yes, yes. Not heaven as a place you go after death. Not not imaginary no. uh, concept of heaven. No. Heaven as in what we see, the yeah. earth, yeah. the universe, the sky that so, we see. Exactly. So the universe is sacred. We need to understand it fully, really. Mm. Yep. Once we understand that the sacredness of universe that we are all living, mm. there is no me, no. there is no I, no. You, all these kind of uh, individualistic concept. There is no longer that kind of concept anymore. And we start trusting that, right? Because we are just a mere human, <laughs> yeah. really. Yeah. What, what can we do, really, in the end? Exactly. Yeah. But that path of inevitable progress stokes the fire of the I, the me, the mine. And that's what causes all the trouble in the world. Where Lao Tzu is saying in this chapter, he's saying... Thinking too much of yourself is actually a problem. Yeah. And that's what this path of inevitable progress does. As you said, we lose something in going down that path. Mm. And you and I have experienced this personally because we travel a lot and we've gone to places, say, 12 years ago, and then we've gone to them recently, and that inevitable progress has come in. Mm. And those places and those people are, are beginning to lose their innocence due to that individualistic yeah. mindset coming in where it's a dog-eat-dog -dog world. Mm. And the reason why you and I do travel is to get out of the countries we are from because of that dog-eat-dog -dog world where the people have lost their innocence. And so you go back to the more rural or more real parts of the world to experience that. But people are losing that. Yes. But as you said, the world itself naturally is sacred and we, we think we can improve upon that mm -hmm. and, it's, and it's impossible. Yes. And the remedy to everything we've spoke about, as Lao Tzu mentions, is, is this kind of path of moderation that we should all follow to get back in touch with that sacred instrument, that divine instrument that mm -hmm. the world actually is. It's in, it's in simplicity that we touch that, that yes. we touch the Tao, mm -hmm. not in the path of inevitable progress, not in the path of he said, she said, in dividing the world up into this and that. It's in, as you said, it's in taking the I out of the equation and understanding it's we, not I, yes. it's us, including everything else. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, understanding that uh, the harmony in humanity, isn't it? And um, when you're mentioning the inevitable progress, and it's interesting what comfortability brings to people's mind, mm. right? We mm. become a little bit complacent and somewhat lazy, right? Mm. But because that's why we like uncomfortable places, mm. in a mm. sense, because that brings more human element, I think, because you need to be more resilient, you mm. need to be more patient, and you need to accept things as they are, right? Again, like you said about uh, veganism, vegans and vegetarians uh, keep um, you know, supporting their idea. Mm. But like you said, the people, what about people who live in uh, the north or south 
pole, Inuit, where they can't grow food and whatnot. So understanding actual human life, the climate of human life, mm. and that's also what's important, that um, to bring people together. Yeah. See, the missing element there is love itself. So if you, if you live with love in your heart, you love and appreciate all people mm. and you don't walk around judging. See, this is a problem that the person who is righteous don't have and they don't understand that they don't actually have love in their heart. They think that their actions is justified because of some certain situation. But I've never met many peaceful activists mm. ever. They usually have a lot of anger. There are some, right? But the majority are angry and they don't live with love in their heart. So when they are righteous, they they point their gaze around the world with judgment according to how they see the world. Mm. But if they had pure love in their heart, they would have then understanding and acceptance. So they would see Inuits and they would say, well, okay, that would make a vegan stop and think then. You know, right. it should. Yes, it should. But sadly it doesn't because of that indoctrination mm. that people hold to where they don't have that love in their heart so they can't, love and appreciate all people and all of their beliefs and whatnot and just allow people to be without interfering with them. And look, we'll get a bunch of comments here with people that will disagree with what we're saying because of that reason. Mm. So they're still not seeing it themselves. Right. And that's what's sad, that they just don't see themselves in the right light mm. because they're so engrossed in their own righteous perspective of the world. And that's why naturally the world is amoral and that's why Taoism is amoral because morality according to who because all cultures are different people think differently and this and that so who are you to go around and tell people how to think what to eat uh, what to do it's their life it's their culture stop doing that that's an imperialistic mindset if you're going around forcing your opinion onto other people you are a subtle imperialist you are a few steps away from becoming Genghis Khan, from becoming Adolf Hitler. And so I don't think that most people are like that, but they get so swept up with whatever the moral flavors are of the time. And so they want to join the circus and then they completely change their character according. But naturally we're, we're all good, yeah. but we fall prey to whatever the culture, in air quotes, is telling us what is acceptable. Yeah. Well, what culture tells you what is acceptable is actually, it doesn't, doesn't really matter what culture says. As Terence McKenna said, yeah, culture is not your friend. Yeah, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter, yeah. And that culture that we're speaking about now is specifically that culture of inev inevitable progress. Mm. It's that Western culture that's kind of subsumed the world and is telling people how to think what what is moralistically correct yes. these days and we did a podcast earlier in the year about the three models of ethics which i highly recommend people go back and watch uh, when you start to think why don't asian cultures or south american cultures or african cultures do as what the west do Go and have a look at that podcast and understand the three different models of ethics. We won't speak about it here today, but go back and have a look at that and kind of check yourself out the door. Yeah. So with everything we've said, 
this chapter is basically a warning of where we can go if we keep following that line of thinking and we don't live with moderation. And so it's, it's important that we live simply and with moderation in yeah. our lives. With, with uh, yeah, moderation, no extremes. No extremes. Yes. Don't have any extremes. If you catch yourself somewhat being fanatical, you need to check yourself at the door. Yeah. Like, okay, I, okay, I get you like that. You like that, but it seems that you've become fanatical about it because I can't speak to you in a way mm. where it doesn't trigger you. That means you're you've become a fanatic. You've you've lent into extremes. You lost uh, flexibility in your thoughts, isn't it? Yeah. That's again, that's um, actually a dangerous way to be. And uh, again, Lao and Taoism itself is to all about walking on that middle path. Yeah. Don't lose that love in your heart that you naturally have. Once you lose that love in your heart that we all naturally have from birth, then anything can happen and anyone can do anything. Mm. As we see, even with the most grotesque tyrant that you can ever conceive of in your mind who has existed, they once were, upon a time, were an innocent child as well. They didn't grow up with that hatred in their heart. Mm. They didn't grow up with that fanaticism, with that extremism. They learned that in the environment they were from, the experiences they had as a person, and from falling into a line with this erroneous concept of inevitable progress. Yes. So never lose that love in your heart. Continue to love and appreciate and accept everyone as they are. Don't force your opinion onto them. Even here in this open dialogue, don't take the what Guyang and I are saying as gospel. Yes. We're just here discussing the highest teachings of Eastern spirituality for the, hopefully the benefit of others who are interested in it. But this is not a, a movement or anything like that. And you don't want to turn that into any sort of extreme and become a f fanatic no. about that. So. No, no, there's no. <laughs> Just don't lose that love in your heart, people. We hope you enjoyed and we'll speak to you next time.